Hey, I'm Heather, a chaos coordinator and mom of three young kids. Chaos and cookies is literally my life, with never-ending dishes, laundry, you name it. Being a mom is a blessing, but it also comes with hard days too. Together, we can find the humor and real solutions to lighten your load and clean up the crumbs. You're listening to the Chaos and Cookies Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of the Chaos and Cookies podcast. I have an author as my guest today, and her name is Susan Salinger, and we are going to be talking about healthcare for women. Uh, her new book is uh, called "How Women Can Na- uh, Sidelined: How Women Can Navigate a Broken Healthcare System." Um, so. She did all the research and she also wrote this book. Uh, In this book, she uh, examines the many ways in which some women manage and sometimes mismanage their health care. This was released back in April of 2022. And Susan explores how women's typically uh, the medical gatekeepers for their families tend to be extremely conscientious about taking care of themselves, yet at the same time inadvertently undermining their own care. Uh, They often hesitate to call the doctor when they don't feel well and worry that their uh, doctor's visits will take time away from their families or work, which is very true. We always usually put ourselves last. Um, They may hesitate to ask doctors the necessary questions and don't always comply with the doctor's instructions. Uh, Salinger's research reveals how conflicted many women are about the medical decisions they ultimately make. Born and raised in uh, Los Angeles, Susan attended UCLA to study English. After graduation, she worked alongside her husband, Fred, for 25 years at their production company, Salinger Films, which produced corporate trainings and development films uh, that were distributed worldwide. And then now today, she is 80 years old amazing. Uh, She lives in (laughs) Northern California near her incredible family, including her two daughters, four grandchildren, a cat named Max, and a dog named JD. And when she is not speaking about her book or spending time with her family and friends, you will find Susan powerlifting to stay in shape. That's amazing. And we will talk about that too. Uh, (laughs) Welcome Susan Salander to the podcast. Well, thank you so much. And now I'm actually 81. I had a birthday, which I, is even more remarkable when I think about it. But thank you. That's amazing. And you power lift? Oh, I love it. You, well, I don't love it. Actually, to be, I love what it does for me. I mean, to be totally honest, I actually hate exercise. But I'm very disciplined. And I do do it. I do Pilates and weightlifting. And I think that it's really, I I can only say, because I'm sure your audience is much younger than me. Well, everybody's much younger than me. But the reality is you really need to prepare for old age and exercise is the way to do it. It it keeps you mobile. It's fabulous. So the results are really paying off, I have to say. People yeah. should go to my website. My um, well, I have an author website, but the powerlifting one's more fun. It's grandma.gains and I'm on TikTok. Um, so it's really fun. I'm very I I'm, love that. I'm I love that woman. so much. <laughs> well, I'm this little old woman, and I really, I mean, I could probably bench press you. I mean, you know. <laughs> I mean, I lift as well. I'm a I I lift, I I am very, I'm very pro. Uh, weightlifting for women, strength and tr- strength training. Yeah. Um, it just really keeps, you know, your limbs, just your joints 
loose and just, mm -hmm. I want to be your age and still be able to run around with kids. Well, and feel I mean, good. seriously, when I was your age that I did it because I was diagnosed, I started it because when I was in, actually in my forties, so older than you, but I was diagnosed with osteoporosis and I got, they told me, which I thank God has never happened, but I, I was one of those women that could step off a curb and break bones. And I uh. thought, that's not for me. So that I started the resistance training, the weightlifting, and I've been doing it for like 40 years and boy, has it paid off. And so is Pilates. I have yeah. to say, I do Pilates now more than the weightlifting. Um, I have a, a, a leaky uh, heart valve, no symptoms, but it's genetic. And so as a result of that, I can only lift like half my weight. I can't go any higher, which upset me because what I like about weightlifting is you keep building, you know. So yeah. I, I, I went to over half my weight and they told me to cut it out. So <laughs> now I'm doing Pilates <laughs> and <laughs> once a week. Yeah, Pilates, just, Pilates just, is good. It is I did good. my first Pilates reformer class like a, like a year ago and it was it's pretty good. Um yeah. I had back surgeries. I've had several back surgeries uh when I start was 18 and up and so I started um just doing this a few years ago. I was always an athlete but then I had back surgery back of a 40-year-old when I was 18 and now I'm going to I'm going to be 40 here soon. So I'm just trying to just keep it up. Well, you know, Pilates is really good for your back. I think it's probably better than weightlifting. I don't know. I mean, that's just my... I have to be careful when I weightlift. I can't load my shoulders and yeah. um, I don't do a lot of bending or twisting. So I do some yeah. Pilates for just some stretching, but um, I have a condition where it'll just continue to keep getting worse, but I try to just uh, buy myself more time. So keeping core strength and just making sure that there's no more slippage on the next one because I've had fusions. Yeah. So my husband yeah. had a condition uh, that was supposed to keep getting worse. And they said by 70 or whatever, he'd be in a wheelchair and he was just fine. Um, I mean, he did a lot of water aerobics and, you know, it, it, I'm telling, it doesn't matter what you do. Although for bones, it does matter what you do, but sure. generally speaking, um, any, it's just, great I just I think I, I don't have any endorphins I don't know where they went but I just don't. they've disappeared entirely but when I'm done with my exercising I feel so good and I think I'm relieved that it's done I don't think it's the endorphins but maybe it is I yeah, it probably is and you got your body moving and you're getting yeah, out you know, no. it's all getting and I, I can move I mean seriously I really can I walk like a younger woman I'm not one of those old women that's great see. you don't have to be feel like you're 81 you can no, you, you know, your self-image never changes anyway. I mean, really. Yeah, absolutely. So what about, um, what is your favorite cookie and or cookie memory? That's always my question for my. Oh, husband. that's so easy for me to answer. My husband, he, my husband passed away recently, but he was a wonderful chocolate chip cookie maker. And he, I mean, he just followed the, the, the Nestle chocolate chip Thing, the recipe on the package, but he slightly underbaked them. He made the best chocolate chip cookies and he added more chips too. <laughs> so, <laughs> they were chocolatey and soft and oh my goodness, they were wonderful. And no matter how much chaos I was in the middle of, I would have a cookie with milk. I can't have a chocolate chip cookie without milk. And oh, it was wonderful. <laughs> oh, well, that sounds amazing. And um, hopefully you, do you bake for your grandkids? Not particularly. Um, I'm going to try to start, actually. I made muffins the other day, and they came out so good. I was, like, shocked because I'm yeah. not the best cook. He was, you know, he was the cook in the family. So now yeah. I'm really trying to relearn it. I, I cooked all my life when the kids were little, but I stopped. I don't Somehow it became a sous chef. I don't know quite how that happened, but I, it did. 
whatever works and uh that's so fun well you um when we, we were touching on like health and wellness right the doctor tells you you know back it off you know right. you listened but you um in the intro you know you tapped in to the women that go to to the doctor and they don't typically will listen to the doctor fully uh right. which i totally get because you either it's just too much work or um you don't have time for it right now, but you have intentions of doing it later, right? Yeah. That I mean, it's basically the name of the game for, for us moms. And yes, you know. it is. It is. And I think that we have to be careful about that because I don't want to, I am not advocating to not listen to your doctor. I mean, right, I'm, right. No, that's what I'm saying. But you I listened, am, you backed yeah. off, you went to do something else. Exactly. So, yeah. That's the important part. They said, be careful with your heart. So I went to Pilates. I didn't right. stop exercising. So you listened. Yeah, yeah I, I did. I listened. I didn't want to listen. It was really hard, but I did because I've tried. Um, and it's, it's, you, you have to use your own, you have to listen to your guts too. That's part of, the, one of the things I've, I've learned in my research is that women are misdiagnosed frequently. I, I was not misdiagnosed. My diagnosis was correct, but women are misdiagnosed frequently. And I think that I want to just talk for a quick minute about second opinions, which as a, a mother and as a, as young mothers, I think is very difficult to find the time, the resources and the energy, you know, to get a second opinion. But it's so important because we are misdiagnosed more often than men for a bunch of reasons. And I think that it's so important, particularly if your prognosis is, if your treatment is serious, if your diagnosis is serious, you don't want to just leap into something, which is what I did as a young woman. I just leaped into some surgery that I absolutely didn't need, knew I didn't need it, but I was scared, you know, so I went ahead with it. And a big mistake. Now that I'm older, I would never do that. It's always good to get another opinion. I think that the, not only women, but people don't realize how how rough diagnosis is. I mean, there's so many diseases out there, and so many symptoms mimic each other. It's a really good. It's a good guessing game for the doctor. And many times they're right, and many times they're not. I mean, there's a trillion diseases out there. Um, yeah, and we also have to be able to give them all the info. Sometimes we might if we think it's embarrassing or not appealing, we might leave it out and then they don't know about it and then they diagnose you, but then they miss the part. Yeah, you know, that one of the statistics I came across that actually really surprised me was that women about, oh, about approximately 50% of us either lie to our doctors directly or minimize our symptoms. And then when we're misdiagnosed, we get pissed off, yeah. well, you know? <laughs> <laughs> their own darn fault yeah i mean yeah figure it out it's not that tricky right um, yeah yeah i mean it is important you gotta go with your gut too when you when you do talk to doctors like i've had several spinal surgeries but like when i was not 18 i had a x-ray and they had you know suggested surgery but maybe not let's try this or that and i you know was young and never had a problem before and then we didn't see any other doctors, but we knew this doctor was referred to by some friends. So, you know, and ended up that he didn't do what he was supposed to do, which caused more problems for me later. Now, I feel like he probably did it with the best intentions because of yes. my age and he didn't want to cut me up too much because right. he's like, I didn't want you to have three incisions. I just wanted you to have the one. But in, in that case, he gave me flat back, which actually caused me more problems. And I 
had a staph infection afterwards. And so then I had to have another surgery like three weeks later, very, very sick. I lost 30 pounds in a month. I'm like oh. five foot one. So I'm already small. Yeah, I was under hundred pounds. Than me. <laughs> really huh? I said, I'm only four ten, So five, one sounds gigantic. Wow. Oh, wow. So you are tiny. I, I mean, am hey, tiny. Take I it. told you this little old woman. <laughs> yeah. Little tiny thing. Um, and that's coming from me. Um, <laughs> and, uh, so I, I finally, after my babies, um, I was in so much pain. I just couldn't do it anymore. I went to a bunch of doctors. I think I went to seven and they kept oh saying, no, 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 we can't do it. We don't know how you're standing. We don't know what to do with you. We, we don't really understand. Finally found a specialist and then he did it. And he said, well, I'm going to fix this. And ever since I've not had any issues and it's, I'm creeping up on, uh, six years next week, actually, oh, wow. um, as my anniversary for my last surgery. And, um, when I started exercising and doing my thing and he released me and said, whatever you're doing, keep doing. Cause everything looks good. Everything is Great. very stable. Like, and he knows you're doing Pilates. Um, well, no, at the time I was just doing like weight training and hit, hit training. And I huh. was doing like, um, a lot of core work. Um, so I mean, like, like when you do the hundreds and stuff that isn't that dangerous for your back. Yeah. So I don't do that kind of stuff. I modify quite a bit. And when I say Pilates, I do more of like a wall Pilates, yeah, uh, okay. a little bit of a mix of like stretching and, um, you know, movements in that way. But if there's a lot of twisting or a lot of back extension, I take that out because I just right. deadlifts right. terrible. The one thing yeah, I can't do deadlifts either. Zero deadlifts. I don't care yeah. what you do. You do not do deadlifts. Right. Do it. And they I told said, me that too. Okay. Yeah. So do more like extensions instead. You know, your, what you said, though, reminds me, let's talk just for a quick sec about how to research a doctor. I mean, I think that they were whoever you went to was recommended by friends. And that's one good way. But I think it's very important to to find out, you know, to do research on the doctor. You want to know where they were trained. What's their specialty? What papers have they written? What are they really interested in? Um, and you can all you can find that out at, at the back of my book. Um, come to think of it, there's a resource list. I've done all of the research for you. I tell you where to go to research your doctor, where to find out anything you want to know. It's all there and categorized. But I think that's a really important thing to do. And I think also that well, let's go back to second opinions for a second. I mean, you said yeah. you went to seven doctors. I, I did that once for my daughter for something. And as, I think that too is really important. But I also think it's important to research the hospital that your doctor is affiliated with because some hospitals are better for neurology, some hospitals are better for cardiology, whatever. And I think if your doctor and your hospital are a match, that's really great. And that would, of course, be the best thing to find. And they're, they're rated. I mean, there's all kinds of websites that, that rate doctors, rate hospitals. Um, yeah. And particularly with, with surgery, while bedside manner is, is really important and really critical. A surgeon you see once, I mean, if you don't have to have him or her for dinner. Um, you know, yeah. just you want the best. And that's that's really important, as I think you learned. Um and schedule for the first one. I like. I had a six and a half hour surgery. They only said it was going to be four, and I was like, "Yeah, okay." And then he, I wanted to be the first surgery that day because I want him fresh. I want him ready. That's another thing that I yes, yeah. I left that out. Don't yeah. have surgery, you guys, on the weekends because no. you can, yeah, you want to go on a Monday or a Tuesday when the staff is fresh. Yeah. You're absolutely right. 
and be the first on the schedule because like I was told like when he came out of my surgery, he looked just done. He was of like, course. that was way more complicated than I anticipated. She's going to be sore. Cause I had 10 different hands in her back because yeah. she, it wasn't what we thought. So she's going to be a little bit more, you know, sore. And he just looked like he was worn out because of just, they had to saw off the heads of my old equipment to back yeah. them out manually because they couldn't find the right tool because Back when I had my first surgery, there was not electronic records. So it was in a warehouse and they couldn't tell you the, yep. the brand that I had. And so it was just one of those things. And I would not have wanted to be his next surgery if he had one right. after six and a half hour battle with my body. You're absolutely right. In fact, there's actually research, not on surgery, but that appointment, doctor appointments, just regular old doctor appointments that you make at the end of the day are substantially shorter than if you make your doctor appointment earlier in the day when the doctor's fresh and not tired and, and not up. behind and caught up. Yeah. yeah, exactly. Exactly. I do the same thing because I just like, if I can do it in the morning, I want to do it in the morning. I don't want you the end of your day. I no. don't want to be short shorted on my time because you're done exactly i don't want to be shorted on my time because i'm done because i'm done for the day yeah no exactly exactly and i think that sometimes why why women minimize when they talk to their doctor they just want to if it's at the end of the day they just want to go home yeah it's like i gotta get dinner on the table are we done like let's go yeah one of the interview one of the people women i interviewed said she just sometimes if she's she had lupus, so she gets fatigued very easily. And she said, if my appointment's at the end of the day, I just want to get the heck out of there. Um, so yeah. she does herself a disservice and, you know, but she's too tired. I mean, she can't help it. Yeah, 100%. And then, but with our children, if it's our children or somebody else, we're always very adamant about going and making sure that everything is good because yes, it's not you and you don't have to face that it's kind of true. stuff, right? And, and, you know, you mentioned, I think, in the intro about how we put ourselves last. Uh, and, you know, that's really true. Women do take care of their children much better than they take care of themselves. There was a study done, it's kind of funny, but it really isn't, where women were given five things to prioritize. You know, what would who would or what would they take care of first? And first, of course, they take care of their children. We all do. And secondly, they take care of their pets, which right. I loved. Loved pets. that. And yeah, I mean, um, then third, they take care of their elderly parents, which being an elderly parent, I think to my, I thought to myself, and my daughter said, mom, I know you're in trouble and have to go to the doctor, but you know, Fida's throwing up. So she's got to go to the vet. I mean, you know, that's not fair, but right. anyway, and then fourth, we take care of our significant others. And last, we take care of ourselves. And mm-hmm. that's really what, what I am beginning to understand now that I'm older is we have to put ourselves first, not last, because we can't take care of others, our children in particular, if we don't feel good and we're irritated and our energy's low. I mean, even the airplane says, you know, put your own mask on first. So I think it's really important for all of you out there to really learn if you can to put yourselves first. And it's easier said than done. We all mean to. And then there's no time and it's too much trouble. And I mean, I get all that. But yeah. the reality is you'll be doing your family a, a real service if you do put yourself first. Take care of yourselves. That's right. because the message. Moms the- don't get sick days. Like, no, I wasn't feeling well a couple weeks ago. And luckily, my ex-husband had 
the kids. And so I was able to rest, but I was like, if they were home this weekend, I would right. just be muscling through it, which then elongates my healing. And yeah. so my kids are young though. It's like they can do for themselves pretty much, but they still yeah. need help or they still sure. do a lot. Cause it's yeah. like refereeing. And if it's just right. me, I, you know, it's just me. <laughs> so yeah. No, I know. It's just absolutely true. And it's, it's, a, it's a really hard situation when that happens. That's what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, if you feel, if you felt better, if you feel better, your energy's up and you can handle it more easily for sure. Yeah. And I, I mean, me personally, I think now I am, I tell my kids, like, I don't like if I, and it's rare, but like I had a headache that was lasting probably like a week. It was all, it was very sinus headache. Yeah. And it was just like, looking at them, like my head hurts. So uh -huh. I, if y'all be, if y'all are allowed, I'm going to, I'm going to yell because I'm just trying to get y'all's attention, but y'all need to go somewhere, be quiet, pra practice your quiet time because right. we're probably just going to watch movies all day. <laughs> yeah. I just yeah. need everyone to be quiet because, and I had like um, an ice pack over my eyes and they were, they try to take care of me. They're little and cute, but you know, when they do that, they're always checking every five seconds. And I'm like, stop <laughs> me alone, stop touching me. <laughs> like they want to snuggle, but I'm like, I just don't want to be touched. Oh, I know. I used to do that too. I mean, when I'd come home from work and, you know, the minute I'd walk in the door, everybody was on me, of course. And I'd say, you know, I just need five or 10 minutes. I just, I want to go pee, put my purse yeah. You know, five minutes, and I'm, I'll. I want to hear about everybody's day in a minute. You know, give yeah, me some time. Yeah, for sure. I mean, I still can't go pee, and yeah, and oh. I still go take a shower, and they just walk on in. I'm like, really? Oh, yeah, yeah. All right. I know. So, um, but the other thing is, I think with little ones, like that ice pack, they then think something super wrong because when they see yes. mom down, then they're like, they're safe place and safe persons, like not okay. So you don't, you try to minimize it for them because you're like, I'm fine. I'm just, you know, just trying to, you know, make right. it feel better faster when really you're just in agony, but you don't want to freak them out. No, it's true. It's really, how old are your kids? You said five, seven and nine, eight oh. and six. The one's about to be 10. Um, so yeah, almost 10 and then eight and six year old. Yeah. I know you've got your hands full. Yeah. Yeah. And you know, they, they try their best to do and it it's a it's a delicate balance to try and like if you want to take a sick day but on the other end it's um you don't want to freak them out and then right. as a single parent I work so if I'm having a not so great day I have to make the decision whether I muscle through it to work so I can right. save my vacation day for the time I want to spend with my kids right but right. that doesn't help me because then it just elongates me not feeling well. So yeah. it's a imbalance there too. I think parenting is a balance. I really do. I think it's about, I'm looking back on it because I mean, yes, I'm older, obviously. But um, I, I remember balancing my work time, my husband time, my kid time. Uh, Fred and I used to have it like a date night, you know, on Friday night so that we could stay in touch. Although we, we also work together. But it helps just to be away from the office, away from the kids, have a nice dinner. We were able to do that, not every Friday, but it worked the majority of the time. 
And yeah. we had, you know, we spent time with the kids on the weekends, you know, more so than during the week, although we did during the week too, but they were in school and we were at work, but I got home by three, you know, if I could, it was my yeah. own business. So I was able to leave when I wanted and start early, you know, um, but it's, I was about, it was about, it was hard to balance, but it was a balance. Um, yeah. That's the beauty of old age to a certain extent. I mean, every age has its benefits and limitations, but I, at this point, I only have to worry about myself where there's a certain narcissism in that, but it's also nice for a change. Um, My kids are grown. My grandkids are even grown. I mean, the youngest is 16, so he's fine. Um, You know, it's, it's a nice age. It really is. Yeah, absolutely. And I think just, if anything, if anyone takes anything from this episode, I think it would be just, it's okay to put yourself first and it's okay to advocate and also do some due diligence. Like you don't have to go to the first option just because it's easiest because you don't have to spend the time to go do the research because we already don't have enough time already. And it's okay to say no and find something else, even though everyone else is like, no, no, this guy's great. This guy's great. But you were like, "Mm, it's not a good fit for me, or I really want to go and explore not to feel bad about that. Right. Absolutely. And asking for a second opinion, talking that over with your original doctor is always a good thing to do. I mean, I think women in particular, but people look at that as a confrontation with the doctor and it isn't. It's more of a collaboration. When Again, when you think about all the diseases that are out there, um, doctors may be delighted to, for you to have a second opinion because if the second opinion agrees, and they you can't they can't be sued for malpractice, which is a big problem. It makes it much more difficult. Oh, yeah. If you've had a couple of opinions and the opinions are the same, then it isn't, you know, it, it's it's they they aren't necessarily against you if they want if you want a second opinion. And I think yeah. that's important to reframe that for people. And and also to have um someone research stuff for you or have second eyes put on it. So for instance, when I was going into this last surgery six years ago. I had mentioned that I had this like terrible experience with, with MRSA. Um, at the time they didn't know it was MRSA. And that's why it took so long for me to come out of the, the hospital the second time. Cause they were yeah. growing it and it was a line of staff. They didn't know what it was and how to treat it. Da, 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 da. Yes, and, staff um, yeah, it was awful, but I had let them know that I had been susceptible to it because I had also had staff in college on my face. Oh, wow. The locker room. And oh. I looked like, open sores. It was just hurt, Mm. gross, very, and it was very, very contagious. The nurse was like, you back now, like you're not to be out there. I'm like, what's wrong? Am I like dying? Am I a leper? You know, you don't know. And I was 18, it was the same year. And so I told them I was susceptible to it because everyone has staff on their body, but more people are susceptible to infection than others. And now they pre-treat, they don't really do that before. But they gave me this paperwork to see if I was eligible for a staff uh, vaccine that they were studying and doing a trial on. And I was like, well, shoot, if it's going to, you know, and they're like, well, you're eligible and you could do it. And they sent me the paperwork. And luckily, my brother-in-law at the time was working on cancer trials. And so I was like, hey, will you just look at this for me? Just take a look. I don't see why I shouldn't. And he found this thing that I must have not looked at. And he goes, well, you're still nursing. Cause I was four months postpartum. So I was still nursing my son and I didn't want to not nurse. He goes, you're nursing mom. This would not be a fit for you unless you don't want to nurse. And I was like, oh, well, in that case, that just completely take it off the table. Like, right. Right. I would not have seen that if right. we didn't have someone looking at it. Cause I just 
didn't know what to look for. Yeah, of course. You know, that leads me into something else, which is sort of on the subject and sort of not, but it's a good segue anyway. Um, when, when you go to the doctor, here are some things, some tips to follow and, and the research fits. That's where I'm coming from. But the first thing you want to do when you go to the doctor is make a list of your symptoms, write it out and prioritize them. And that's important because if you're at all like me, you'll get so anxious when you get there. At least I certainly do that. I forget half of what I want to say. And I actually had a doctor tell me that she loves it when patients come in with a list because it helps her know what's on their mind and it stops, it helps her know, she checks to see if the priorities are something she agrees with. I mean, she told me a story about a patient she had that at the very end of the visit as she was walking out the door, he said, incidentally, I have a mole on my back. So of course that was the most serious thing he'd said the whole time. So she turned around and, you know, she wished that if, if he had had a list, she would have put that first. But so it's important to have a written list. It really is. And then secondly, you want to get the clinical name of your diagnosis. And here's where the research comes in and have the doctor write it out and spell it for you. Because again, yeah. if you're like me, you can't spell. Don't Google it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but you can't, you can't do a thing if you spell it wrong. Right. Um, but you really want to research the disease. See if you think it fits your symptoms. Look at the treatments. Is that what you were recommended? Does this make sense? What are the what are the benefits and limitations of the particular treatment you've been offered? And that's why the resource list at the back of my book is so important because it tells you how to do all this. But if you have something like MRSA and you want to look it up, you go to whatever websites I've listed, the Mayo Clinic or Harvard or whatever they are. They'll tell you the symptoms. They'll tell you the treatments. There's even a website that tells you about clinical trials if you're interested. Um, and I think it's really important because you would have been really upset if you had had to stop nursing and nobody had warned you about that. That's right. Yeah, because that was my that was why I was going to wait till the summer after my my son was a year because I usually like to nurse for a year. Yeah, and I, I was in so much pain and my deductible was covered, and yeah. so I was like, it makes sense to do that and not have a toddler, uh, then have three in diapers walking around right. one I can at least put down yeah. and all the other things. So um, it's definitely worth a look. Um, but your book sounds like it has a lot of resources, a lot of um, different components to it. I don't think that this is talked about enough either. And so I really do appreciate yeah. you coming on and highlighting more <laughs> about it. And um really grateful because I think this was just something that's, we just, we know but it's not talked about. It's not announced. It's not right. like said. Right. No, absolutely. I don't think illness is talked about enough. Yeah. We all tend to keep it quiet if we don't feel good. We're embarrassed or whatever we are. Yeah. Um, uh, women don't talk about it very much and we need each other when we're sick. I mean, that's kind of the message of the book. You need yourself, you need your intuition and you need to feel empowered and you need support. I mean, those are the three things that I think are critical for anybody. Not Absolutely. Just and where can we find the book? I know we'll have all the show. We'll have all the links in the show notes, but where can we find your book? You had mentioned your website. It's, 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 well, it's certainly on Amazon. I think everything in the world is on Amazon. Yeah. <laughs> Any bookstore, wherever books are sold. And if they don't have it, they can order it. And Salinger is spelled S-A-L-E-N-G-E-R. So if you look it up on Amazon or something, make sure you spell my name right. Absolutely. And the book is called Sidelined. Um, 
What's how, that? how women can navigate a broken healthcare system. And that's a mouthful, but that's a story in itself. <laughs> you know, it's great though. No, it's great. I think it's wonderful. Um, and also go check her out on TikTok. Uh, oh yeah, grandma. Yeah, look at her, her power <laughs> lifting. I'm totally going. I might even already follow you. Who knows? I like that kind of stuff. But yeah, yeah. you'll see. I'm it's a G-A-I-N-S is the gains. I didn't know I didn't know what that meant, but my grandchildren named it. And they said, Grandma, everybody knows what gains means. I didn't know. But so it's grandma.gains, meaning you gain muscle, I guess, yeah. is what you're saying. I, I had no yeah, idea. Yeah, grandma gains, like gains muscle mass, gains. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no. yeah I love it. <laughs> yeah, look well, it up. Yeah, of course. I'm definitely going to. And um, thank you so much for being here and shedding light on a very uh, important topic. And um, please come back. Well, thanks so much. How fun. Thank you very much. I really so enjoyed it. Oh, thank you. Well, thank you so much. And, and listeners, if you do want to uh, check out her book, I really do um, encourage you to go and check it out. Their links are all in the show notes. And um, this is a very you know important thing to to look at and address and come to terms with that. That's something that we probably do. And so just uh, male or female, honestly, like let's not like leave the men out of it. We all do it. Maybe it's not as manly as you know. There's some things, <laughs> you know you gotta you can't get better until you address it, and you have to be there and and, and willing. And no one's gonna judge. And doctors, it's parent. It was it's it's um. It's, uh, privacy anyway it's HIPAA they can't right. tell you anybody anyway right so exactly kill it. yeah right you got it it's true absolutely true if they do you sue them and then you get paid you know <laughs> for the embarrassment you know what Just I mean don't make like, money on it. <laughs> you know if they tell your secrets you get money for it you yeah, know that's true <laughs> <laughs> that's hilarious uh, but go check her out and thank you for listening to the episode of the chaos and cookies podcast uh new episodes drop every Tuesday and uh rate and review and We'll catch you on the next one. Thank you for listening to the Chaos and Cookies podcast. If you want more goodies and friends to share them with, follow the crumbs to the Facebook group or visit the Chaos and Cookies website to grab my sweet secrets on how to calm your cookies. Don't forget to leave us a five-star review on iTunes. See you all next week for another episode of Chaos and Cookies.